Hey there, this is S.W. Loudon, author of the Greg Salem Mystery Series, including the novels Bad Citizen Corporation and Grizzly Season. I am Sean McDaniel, author of Criminal Zoo. Sean, where are you calling in from tonight? I am in Billings, Montana. I was born in Durango, Colorado. I grew up on the plains of southeast New Mexico, about... Uh, walking distance from the border of Texas, and I've been in Billings, Montana now for, oh, the last 25 years or so. so How about I, yourself? You know, your, I, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, landed here after my dad retired from the military when I was about five, and uh, have spent the majority of my life uh, along the coast in the Los Angeles area. Okay. So I'm reading your book right now, Criminal Zoo. I'm, I'm uh, only about 20 pages from the end of it. And I have to say, it's one of the most fascinating crime novels, if it's even considered a crime novel, that I've read. Um, really interesting take on crime and punishment. I'm, I'm really curious how you came up with the concept for the book. Steve, I appreciate you asking. In the newspaper, in the Billings Gazette, May 2005, I read an article, headline, Man Killed Two Girls Out of Rage. It was an individual by the name of Jerry Hobbs. Jerry Hobbs had just been released from prison, and he, his eight-year-old daughter and her nine-year-old friend were out playing. Apparently, Jerry Hobbs felt that she shouldn't be out playing. She was supposed to be home. He couldn't find her. He went looking for his eight-year-old daughter with a steak knife. The eight-year-old daughter and her nine-year-old friend, between the two of them, were stabbed more than 30 times. So, you know, this article is in this paper, and there's a picture of this animal. To me, he's not a man. I look into his black, soulless eyes. And the article talks about he's in a fit of rage because the little girl was supposed to be grounded. She's supposed to be home. So he's an ex-convict. He goes out looking for this little girl with a steak knife. These girls get stabbed 30 times. And then he says in his confession, he said that he did it out of self-defense. Like this 8-year-old and 9-year-old were going to go after him. So I thought, you know, we need a, we need a place where we can do to these people, to a degree, what they do to their victims. True justice, an eye for an eye justice, where maybe, you know, something more than 15 to 20 years of free room and board and three meals a day, if we can offer a little bit something more severe, maybe we can make these people think about it. You know, the headlines every day and the animals that are out there I don't feel that our justice system is working. So in writing Criminal Zoo, I give an outside-the-box way of looking at maybe what we can do with these animals that have no conscience. They prey on us. They're predators. I describe them in the book as animals disguised as humans. You know, they look like us. They talk like us. But that's where the similarities end. So that was the genesis of the writing of this book. It's interesting that it was sort of a ripped from the headlines genesis because um, you do you go to great lengths to reflect the heinousness of some of the 
acts that the serial killer in the book commits. Um, and to a point where it's like, it, there are points where it's hard to read. Um, it's really disquieting. And, and so I was curious, you know, a, as you're climbing in the head of a character that does such terrible things to people, um, how did, how did you approach writing that and creating those thoughts and creating those scenes that would be otherwise foreign to you? You know, when I write, it's, it's like, it's almost like I go to sleep, Steve. It's, I sit down to the laptop. If I write for three hours, at the end of those three hours, I have no idea, or had no idea what was going to happen. It's like watching a show I've never watched before. I can lose three hours in a matter of 15 minutes. Or so It's like, again, sleeping. So when I would write this, I really never knew what Samuel was going to do next. I, the fingers start moving, and it seems the more I got into Samuel, into his, his head, the darker he got. But I don't believe I guided him. I believe I let this character do what he was going to do. Criminal Zoo is a very bad place. It's a, it's a place of torture. It's where we give you real consequences for your actions. So to, to put someone in criminal zoo, we have to have a very heinous, very bad individual. So in writing Samuel, who Samuel doesn't realize he's bad, Samuel doesn't know he's evil. Samuel feels that, you know, as you read the book, he's cleansing souls. You know, his, his actions are terrifying. He cuts out the eyes of his, they're not his victim. He doesn't like to call them victims. He cuts out the eyes of the, the, the souls he's saving because of the evil they've seen. He cuts off their ears because of the evil they've heard. He cuts out their tongue because of the evil they've spoken. You know, the eyes was directly inspired by, again, this man, Jerry Hobbs. His daughter, his eight-year-old daughter, had both of her eyes stabbed out. So, again, when I wrote Criminal Zoo, and, and I wrote, I first wrote this book in 2007. It took me about five months to write it and ten years to rewrite it, which I know you know all about. Yeah. So the, the book was written 2007. It was written with, there was definitely some anger you know, Steve, all you have to do, look at the newspaper. You know, I have articles in front of me. Ohio mother indicted in microwave death. A woman suspected of killing her month-old daughter you know, by putting her in a microwave. Um, Alabama man threw four kids off bridge. Child's father arrested in decapitation case. A mom comes home to find a four-year-old daughter missing her head. So my question is, Steve, what do we do with these people that prey upon us? What do we do? We're worried about preserving their rights. We're worried about making sure that they're treated fairly while they're killing us. The initial argument in Criminal Zoo with John McIntyre, the founder of Criminal Zoo, he talks about with the, the host of the talk show he's on, you know, we're, we're so cautious worrying about their rights you know, meanwhile, they are preying upon us. So 
In Criminal Zoo, the question I ask is how far are you willing to go, you the reader, in protecting the ones you love? And I try not to influence. I have a, you know, in writing the book, I didn't have a slant on this. I don't, I'm not trying to make you for it or against it. But if Criminal Zoo ever came to be on the ballot, whether you are for it or against it, I want you to be passionate about it. My intention was to write a novel that would stick with you, write a story that would stick with you long after you put the book away. So how did I do? Well, I'm, I'm still finishing it, but uh, I'm definitely wrapped up and can't wait to see how it ends. So, so far, so good on this end. Um, it's interesting, though, because one of the things that I take away from the book as I'm reading it is you actually, it sounds like you're very passionate about exploring this topic, but you do a pretty good job of presenting both sides because this isn't simply taking somebody off the street forever or talking about capital punishment. It is inflicting torture and pain upon the prisoner once they're in the criminal zoo, which can, you know, crosses an ethical line in from justice into revenge. And you mentioned eye for an eye earlier, but I find, I find that the characters, um, the motivations that the characters have in the book um, aren't very pure on either side of this debate. And so was that intentional? Were you trying to stay neutral? I am, as the creator, the ultimate creator of Criminal Zoo, my intention wasn't to try to convince you that we need a Criminal Zoo. My intention was to create a character that we just wouldn't know what to do. Samuel Bradbury, we just wouldn't know what to do with him in the criminal system. I mean, today he would go, you know, life in prison, possibly get the uh, death sentence, depending on what state he's in. But when I wrote it, you know, it, it, the story just created itself. When I watched it, Steve, I watched this story unfold. So again, I don't think I had much direction or guidance in how it turned out as opposed to you know i don't to say this i don't want to appear crazy myself but wherever these this story is wherever my stories lie it's like i go there with them and then i bring them back and i put them in on paper so as far as intention on the direction i wanted to go with this book i really didn't have an intention other than to create a very powerful story for you to read and then for us to have a discussion about it afterward. Does that make well, sense? That's fascinating. It does, but that, then that's fascinating because it begs the question of then, then when you go back and read it, what's your interpretation of it? If you're looking at it with fresh eyes as a reader. That's funny you ask that. I have, okay, I wrote Criminal Zoo and I have rewritten Criminal Zoo 25 times with the guidance of Pat Walsh at Defenestration Press. And I definitely want to give a shout out to Pat. His guidance in editing, Pat Walsh at Defenestration Press, with the editing, he did a phenomenal job. If there was guidance, he was helping me figure out, you know, what direction we wanted to take the book after it was written. And then Tyson Cornell, you know, I know you know these gentlemen, Tyson Cornell at Rare Bird Books. You know, phenomenal help on his part as well. These are the two guys making this whole thing happen. But so you ask about reading it. I wrote it and I 
rewrote it 25 times, but up until two months ago, I've never read it. I read it two months ago, and my first thought was, wow, whoever wrote this book is pretty twisted. <laughs> well, that was my interpretation, too, but speaking with you, I don't get the sense that that's the truth. So, um, you know, obviously it's a work of fiction. Um, I do think, uh, you know, I, when I was writing the second book in the Greg Salem series, which is called Gr Grizzly Season, I actually went back and read the first book, Bad Citizen Corporation, so that there was continuity for the characters and for the storyline. And going back and reading your own book as a reader is fascinating because there is a certain level of detachment once it's been published and it's out in the world where it's an, a thing where I, I didn't identify as much as an author when I was rereading that book. I agree. I had a great time reading it. Now, as we, I want to jump on the sidetrack. I want to get back to Bad Citizen Corporation. Now, I just read Bad Citizen Corporation, and bravo, bravo, Steve. Your characters, you know, Greg Salem, Ricky, Marco, Junior, Eddie, Mikey, Officer Bob, Barrett, and of course, Quincy. You brought these characters to life. You put these characters in my world nightly. I wasn't, when that book ended, I got to be honest, I, I was a little mad at you. I wasn't ready for that book, that story to end. I definitely didn't see that ending coming. One of my clients, okay, by day, I'm a mild-mannered personal trainer. I cause pain and suffering, but I do it with a smile, and it's nothing permanent. The, the, the damage isn't permanent. But I, I told one of my clients about Bad Citizen, and she is a huge James Patterson fan. I mean, she, the sun rises and sets on James Patterson. So reluctantly, she said, okay, I'll read it. She read it, and Steve, she loved it. Now, she prides herself on being able to always predict the endings of these mysteries. You stumped her. She had, and you did me too. Your ending, and obviously we won't talk about the ending much, but your ending and the twist at the end was just flat out brilliant. And I have to tell you, I loved the opening of your book. The opening, the, the setting that, you know, we're in the, the eyes and the mind of the killer in the opening, and we don't know who the killer is. But it's such a vivid, visceral opening to Bad Citizen Corporation. I can't wait to read Grizzly Season. I am so excited to pick that up. Now, I also see that you have Crosswise and have you published Cross, Cross Bones? Cross Bones is coming out in May. Okay. So, and Grizzly Season. What's that? No, go ahead. Grizzly Season is the second installment of Greg Salem, right? That is correct. That is correct. It's the second book in that series, and the third book in that series is called Hang Time, and it will be coming out this October on Rare Bird Books. Well, we like those guys at Rare Bird, don't we? They're fantastic. And you know what, Sean, thank you very much for all the kind words about Bad Citizen Corporation and those characters. You know, that it's 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 fascinating people's interpretations of those things because I was writing about the basically the area in Los Angeles along the coast where I grew up 
and specifically about the punk rock scene there, which is something that I grew up in or being a satellite around. And um, so it's all very close to me. And, you know, while it is fiction, it's based on events that happened in my life, not the crime necessarily, but the types of people and the lifestyle along the coast in Southern California and sort of how that's kind of being diminished or disappearing as more and more money comes into the beaches. So I kind of wanted to write about uh, sort of my friends growing up and, you know, how things have changed in our hometown and how there's really not the same blue collar work ethic that used to be there. And, and these guys are meant to be the holdouts of that kind of lifestyle, that beach bum punk rock lifestyle that I loved so much when I was growing up. And so you know, I wrote mo- mostly. I wrote the book about that, and kind of stumbled into it being a mystery. I kind of realized halfway through that I was writing a mystery. I didn't really set out to do that, so that might explain the twist ending. <laughs> well, it it is apparent that you wrote with passion from what you know. These the characters and the setting, the Los Angeles setting. You know, you talk about surfing. And you talk about the musicians and them. You obviously surf, and you are in a band. I see. Are you a drummer? Is that right? Yeah, I played drums most of my life. That's right. Looking at your badcitizencorporation.com, your blog site, I see that uh, you know drumming in LA. It's apparent that you do have intimate knowledge with being in a band with uh, the surfer scene. It's fascinating because in Billings, Montana, you're showing me a whole nother universe. You know, that Southern California surfing world to me is so very fascinating because I'm so far removed from it. So it's apparent that you knew exactly what you were talking about as you wrote because you put me in Southern California. You put me on that scene. You put me in the L bar. You know, you, you made Junior real to me. Greg and, you know, Eddie. I mean, you made these characters people that I saw every day. And you did it with vivid description. I mean, I, I praise you on that book. Well, thank you very much, Sean. You know, it's, 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 it's funny, right? We, like I, we were just talking about the mystery being a twist ending. I'm fascinated uh, in reading Criminal Zoo, you know. uh, I want to know if you think that you wrote a crime novel or, you know, whether or not genre ever came into the picture for you when you were putting that story together. When I sat down to write Criminal Zoo, I did not intend to write a crime genre novel. I was born and raised on Stephen King. Stephen King and Dean Koontz. You know, I started reading Stephen King when I was in sixth grade. So, with Stephen King, Dean Koontz, F. Paul Wilson, William Peter Blady, uh, Douglas and Preston, you know, I, I like horror. So, it wasn't until after hooking up with, you know, the people at Rare Bird and Defenestration Press. I really started getting into the, the crime and mystery genre, which I'm, I'm liking it very much. It's expanding my horizons, definitely. You know, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have read your book because it didn't have Stephen King or Dean Koontz on the, the cover. You know, I like horror. I really, really like horror. So 
Criminal Zoo is one of six novels I have written. It's the first one to see the light of day, but the other ones are supernatural horror. So when I started writing Criminal Zoo, I guess I just had a story to tell dealing with, again, it's not so much, my intent wasn't to talk about the criminal justice system, but to talk about an animal who preys upon us. You know, I believe that let's, if you have a, an individual, like in recent news, you have the guy that chained the 32-year-old woman in a cargo container. He killed her boyfriend. He chains this lady in a cargo container and keeps her there for months. You know, people like that, or uh, people that kill, you know, murder and kill children. If you're wired to do that, Steve, I personally do not believe we can fix you. If you murder a child, if you rape and murder a child, I think that, like in my book, I say you're a malignant tumor. We need to remove you from the body of society. I don't think we can fix you. I think we have to remove you. So criminal zoo was kind of my answer to the people that I don't believe can be fixed. Well, it's, it's interesting that you're such a uh, Stephen King and horror fan because that, that kind of shows through in your descriptions, the sort of first-person narrative description of Samuel's killings, um, uh, you know, of which there are many, and there's a variety of different types of victims of those killings. Um, and you see the horror writing coming through. But, you know, from the beginning, I was really hooked into your book uh, because of the concept of the criminal zoo, which I looked at as almost a sci-fi or dystopian concept. Like, it could obviously happen right now, and, you know, we could address crime and punishment in this extreme way that you're outlining in the book, um, but it could also happen 150 years in the future. Um, which is interesting because as I was reading and, and wrapping my head around the concept of this kind of uh, sort of biblical over-the-top revenge um, that these people are allowed to inflict upon the, um, the inmates of Criminal Zoo, and then it I, that's what I was wrapped up in, and then it transferred into this first-person narrative about how the person got into the Criminal Zoo, and I found that uh, fascinating. But I really felt a dystopian and sci-fi vibe when I first got into it. Is that something you're aware of? Oh, I agree with you completely. If I were to describe this book, if I'm going to tell my friend, hey, I, I wrote this book, the first thing I would say in the dystopian, in a dystopian near future, it is absolutely dystopian. Yes, I. that would be, if I had any intent of the setting, a dystopian near future is exactly the direction I wanted to go with this. You know, much like the film, when, okay, I wrote this in 2007, a few years later, the film The Purge came out. And The Purge, a very similar outside-the-box look at how to deal with a problem that we don't need. You know, in The Purge, dealing with crime, it's almost like Bacchanal. The Purge is based off what I believe is um, the Roman Bacchanal. You know, Criminal Zoo, I guess its its original genesis would date back 700 years ago to Dante Alighieri's Divine Comedy. 
in Dante's hell, Dante's inferno, abandon all hope, ye who enter here, what you do to land in Dante's hell is done to you for an eternity. Now, that was 700 years ago. So, ultimately, looking at my story, it's not very original. It, it was told 700 years ago, you know, Sharia law, you know, I, um, eye for an eye justice. Revenge has been around for as long as mankind. You know, food, shelter, sex, and revenge. I think that's the innate force driving all of us. Again, these are my opinions. Yeah, sure, but it, it doesn't seem like a particularly modern Western ideal, which is why it makes for such an interesting uh, argument or an interesting conversation because we haven't uh, fully embraced the kind of revenge that, that, that you were just describing. Um, so do, do you feel or do, have you gotten feedback from people who've read the book, who've had strong opinions either way about the positions you took? Absolutely. You're not going to read this book. And if you to read this book and not have a strong response, boy, that would hurt my feelings. I mean, I didn't do a very good job of telling a story. The people, predominantly, the feedback is they could almost vote for something like this, the Violent Criminal Human Zoo Act. That's how we pass this through Congress. You know, if it appeared on the ballot in November, would you or would you not vote for it? People find themselves almost thinking they would. Ultimately, most people won't. They can understand my passion. They can appreciate it. I, I don't think that we should let the predators, the sociopaths out there, you know, the psychopaths that have no conscience, I don't feel that we should let them prey on us anymore. But so the response is passionate. Now, it's kind of funny. My mom, I told my mom about this. I told my mom in the beginning, I am not Samuel, the mother who leaves the children in this book. That's not my mom. My mom is my hero. My father is my hero. I was raised by amazing parents. So if anyone were to say now, are you Samuel? Is this your family? No, not at all. But my mom said, I told her the concept. She said, absolutely, I would vote for that. She read the book, and she, at the end of the book, she said, there's no way I could vote for that. So the people... They, they know that I'm passionate. Some people respond, absolutely, yes, let's do that. Some people say that's horrible. I had a long-time friend. I had a lifetime friend look at me and say, he said, Sean, I thought I knew you. But, you know, 30 years of knowing you, then I read your book, and I have no idea who you are. To which I tell people, hey, listen, I'm that guy that you know. I am fun-loving. As I've said before, I'll tell people I'm the guy that will scoop a spider up on a piece of paper and carry it into the alley before I squeeze it or squish it. So, Steve, the, the disclaimer on this book is there were no women, children, or house pets harmed during the making of Criminal Zoo. <laughs> but I definitely want you to respond with passion. And most people, they do, and it's, I, I would say there's more people for it than against it, which is kind of surprising to me. 
Well, yeah, especially considering that that the the without giving too much of the story away, which I definitely do not want to do because I think it should just be read. It's a it's a really intense read, but a very fast read and a very engaging read. So I would I would highly recommend people read this book and and have this conversation either with themselves or somebody else about it. But I think that you know it's it's interesting to look at somebody like Samuel and the truly terrible horrific things he does in his life. Uh, whether he owns them as bad or not. And then look at the kind of people who would pay money to inflict pain upon him and ask yourself, are they any better or worse than Samuel? Now, I do that on purpose. Absolutely. I raise the question here. If you pay money to torture someone, does that not make you, the people that are in there, the animals that are in criminal zoo, if you pay, now John McIntyre, the governor, the founder of Criminal Zoo in the book, he says, look, if you have those tendencies, we're going to let you do it consequence-free. And if we let you do it without consequence, then maybe you won't, you know, less victims on the street. If you can go in and cut someone and carve your initials into their forehead without consequence, maybe you won't do it on the street to an innocent victim. But I also put... I put people in criminal zoo to make the reader question. I have a 15-year-old boy in criminal zoo. I had a, a priest in criminal zoo. I had a man who people died in a fire he started. He started the fire because he, need, he was a fire jumper and he needed to work. He was out of a job. He starts a fire so he could go work that fire and people die in the fire. And he ends up in the criminal zoo. Those are intentionally planted in there to make the reader think, well, now, how far are we willing to go on this? And I don't want to answer the question for the reader, but the conversation that you and I are having, it just it gives me great joy to have this conversation because I do want to talk about it. I do want to know, again, you know, the bottom line is how far would you go to protect the people you love? Steve, if someone took that one person you love more than life itself and you had the opportunity to exact your revenge on that person, would you? I think the impulse to revenge is very natural and I think it's very human. I think acting upon it and furthermore, uh, legislating it is an entirely different matter. So, no, I don't think I would uh, give in to that impulse, but, but I understand full fully that I would probably have the urge to give in to that impulse. Because I wrote the book, I, I would probably not be much of a surprise to you to, for me to tell you that I absolutely would. If you took that person I love more than life itself, there's no place for you to hide. There's no place for you to be safe. I would find you if it was the last thing I did in life. And, you know, good or bad, that's my hardwiring. I would find you. And I, I don't know what that makes me, what kind of person that makes me, but I got to be honest with you. Well, no, and, and I'm actually glad to hear you say that. Um, I think that comes through in the book, although you do definitely spur a debate, which for me is interesting because it's happening in my head as I'm reading late at night in the dark, you know, like I'm having this conversation with myself, asking these questions that you're asking me now. Um, but what does that make you then? What if you actually, you know, let's hope that neither of us are ever in this position that we're describing right now. But hypothetically, 
if you were to go out and exact that kind of revenge, you know, the argument has always been that wouldn't bring back your loved one. That wouldn't write anything. It would just be another life that would be subtracted from the earth. So what, what do you think that would make you at that point? The executioner. It would make me, no, it does not bring your loved one back. You're exactly right on that. But what it would do, I believe, and obviously this is just all my beliefs, I believe that when you take another person's life in cold-blooded murder, now if you get drunk and you hit another vehicle, you kill someone, I'm not saying that we you forfeit your life in a situation like that, but if you in cold blood murder someone, I believe you forfeited your life. If you don't value others' lives, why should we value yours? I think that you are harmful. I think that you are that malignant cancer cell, and I think that you ultimately can harm society. So I'm the surgeon. We'll call me that. We'll call me the surgeon. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and remove you. I'm going to excise you from the body of society. But would you do as is done in the book to the inmates at the criminal zoo and inflict pain along that road to murdering them, or would you just shoot them and kill them? I would not go to the criminal zoo. I would, I would not go pay to torture someone else. When I talk, you know, the passion I speak with what I would do, I would, only, if you kill someone I love, I'm going to come after you. I would not pay to go torture others. I do, you know, funny to say I have lines I wouldn't cross. I'd just out of vengeance, out of, I would just be filled with rage. And I don't know. And, you know, I say this, and maybe it never, you know, hopefully I never have to prove whether I do it or not. Ultimately, would I do it? I mean, I, I feel I would. I wouldn't go pay to do it. But if you... If you cause someone I love a painful death, no, I wouldn't just shoot you, Steve. I'm gonna I'm gonna tie you up in my shed. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? It does. It 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 it, it just reminds me once again that I shouldn't cross you, Sean. <laughs> but honestly, I'm a great guy. I really am. So I guess, you know, it, uh, the last question I would have for you about Criminal Zoo is because the way that the concept is presented is it's presented by the governor of, I believe, the state of Colorado, correct? That is correct, yes. Yeah. Um, so it is legislated. It is the law that we are going to have criminal zoos. So if what would, how would you feel as an author who created this fictional arrangement if somebody read it and actually took your idea and implemented it? You know, I was asked a very similar question. This book was taught at the college level. This book last fall was taught in the Criminal Science Sociology 227 at Montana State University Billings. I went and I spoke to the class. This was a required text. It was pretty cool to visit with this class. And one of the students asked me, how would you feel, the author, the creator of this story, if someone read your book and decided that would be a pretty cool way to kill somebody? How would you feel? 
So like you're asking, what if someone read this and created what is, and Criminal Zoo is a, I mean, it's a horror worse than the original, you know, to try to fix crime, to try to give punishment, you know, more so than just time in prison. The, the solution is more terrifying than the problem in Criminal Zoo. If someone were to read it and all of a sudden a movement started and this became a reality, you know, the answer I gave the student in the class, if someone were to kill someone in my manner that I describe in this book, would I feel responsible? And I would not. I would not feel responsible because what I have done is I have told a story. I have created an image in your mind that's absolutely fictional. No part of this is true. If someone out there killed someone in the manner of this book, they're, they have to accept that that's on them. I can't accept their, their behavior is unacceptable, and I wouldn't own their behavior. They were going to kill someone in another way, perhaps, I don't know, but if someone took this and ran with this and this became a law, which truly would be worse than the original, the problem itself. Steve, I believe that I created a story. I told you a story that I hope keeps you awake at night. And I hope that when you put this book away, it stays with you long after. What I will tell you is I've infected your mind. You're going to hear headlines. You're going to see newspaper headlines. You're going to see stories on the news. And without even realizing it, you're going to ask yourself, would I put that person in the criminal zoo? So I would not accept responsibility if this became our future. I would not accept responsibility if someone killed an individual because of this book, because those actions are not my actions. My actions were to tell a story, and I feel like I told a pretty powerful story. You definitely did, but you know, to your point about my sleeping well at night, I'm only going to be able to do that after reading Criminal Zoo by reminding myself that it's fiction, <laughs> because it is definitely a book that makes you think, and it's definitely a concept that is so extreme in nature that you can't help but wrestle with the moral implications of it. So I congratulate you on that, because it definitely has me thinking. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking to you more about it when we do an interview for my blog um, that will be posted next week. And you know, Steve, I want to tell you right now, I am absolutely honored. I am honored that you have invited me to be a part of your blog. This whole thing, this is my first book. You have what, four or five out now, right? I have three out now and two more coming out this year. Correct. All right, so you're established. This is, this is so new to me, and this is so cool, and these experiences and this conversation with you tonight, just absolutely I am smiling ear to ear just by talking to you tonight. So I am honored. I am so honored that you have invited me to be on your blog. Thank you for that. Now, I will leave you with this. I do have to tell you the Paul Harvey, and now you know the rest of the story. The genesis of Criminal Zoo, Jerry Hobbs, the man that killed his eight-year-old daughter and stabbed her eyes out and her nine-year-old friend, the man who fueled me, the man who... I read the article in 2005. I wrote the book in 2007. This simmered in my soul for two years, 
and it produced Criminal Zoo. Jerry Hobbs and Pat Walsh, my publisher, he loves this one. Jerry Hobbs, several years later, seven or eight years later, was exonerated on DNA evidence. Jerry Hobbs, the genesis of this extremely aggressive book on our justice system, was an innocent man. I wrote this entire book in rage based on a man who not only walked free, but he won a $7.75 million settlement for being wrongly imprisoned. How about that? That was a very unexpected tag to the end of this conversation. Um, It's safe to say my mind is fairly blown at this point. Yeah, your Pat Walsh came to Billings and we were doing some editing. And he said, whatever happened with this Jerry Hobbs? And I said, well, I don't know. He killed two people, stabbed him 30 times. He's probably rotting in prison. And Pat said, well, let's look him up. So we Google his name. And the first article that hits me, $7.75 million settlement for father wrongly jailed for daughter's murder. A father who was exonerated after serving five years in jail awaiting trial for the rape and murder of his daughter and her friend settled his legal claim. The guy was DNA exonerated. He was innocent, and he, he was the genesis of a book that just absolutely was written in rage. Pat, we read that, and Pat just laughed and laughed. And he said, there you go, Sean. You just tortured and almost murdered an innocent man. So I'm not sure what to think about that. Do you think justice was done? Well, in, in, no, in that sense, if in criminal zoo, there's a checklist and DNA evidence is on that checklist. So I would hope that no one ever would go to criminal zoo as an innocent man. But I, I am, I just turned in the next manuscript. The next manuscript, its working title is called Hannah. And uh, we may or may not explore further Criminal Zoo in this next manuscript. The book will be released this fall. Working title is Hannah, but that won't be the published title. Now, in Hannah, I have a quick question for you, and I know you're busy. I'll let you go. In Hannah, I have a very wicked female protagonist, criminal protagonist. You know, reading your stuff, not to give any endings away in your end, what do you feel about female, about our villains being cute little or hot little females? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, you know, I take the position that, you know, again, as you were saying about your book, that it is fiction. But that said, I think that as long as you approach any one of your characters with a great deal of care and you sort of exhibit love for making them whole as a person uh, that's in service to the story, then I think that you should be able to write about whatever you want to write about. I agree wholeheartedly. But it is a trick. I've seen it done poorly. So you have to be careful. (laughs) Well, Steve, I sure appreciate all your time tonight. I appreciate this conversation. And if, if we can make people talk, you know, if we can create a, a controversial subject matter, whether it's in a grocery store, a bar, a salon, 
on Capitol Hill, if we can make people talk about this, you know, I've done my job as an author to make you talk about it, not necessarily to push for any given direction of the future, but this conversation that you and I just had, it really makes me smile because it's the exact kind of conversations that I enjoy having, and I do like talking about it, and I thank you for talking with me about it. Hey, Sean, if this is your first book, you're off to a fantastic start. This is F.W. Loudon, author of the Greg Salem Mystery Series, including the novels Bad Citizen Corporation and Grizzly Season. And the third book in that series, Hang Time, will be released by Rare Bird Books in October of 2017. How about you, Sean? I am Sean McDaniel, author of Criminal Zoo. It was released by Rare Bird Books and Defenestration Press in November of 2016. My next book will be coming out this fall, also by the same publishers. And I thank you for your time tonight, Steve. Thanks a lot, Sean. I look forward to finishing your book. We'll talk soon.